This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me as always is the man, the myth, the legend, the president of The Witness, Mr. Blue Check Verify himself, Mr. CNN, Mr. Ah, Washington ah. Post himself. <laughs> Jamar Tisby, what's going on, brother? Hey, brother. I'm glad to be alive, man. We had a little bit of a scare recently, and so uh, we're thankful to God that that it wasn't my time yet. Okay, so you're talking about the Hawaii situation, and if y'all didn't know, if y'all been under a rock, if y'all don't follow me on Twitter, at Burns23, follow at your own risk, then you're not going to know that Jamar was on CNN talking about the Hawaii situation. I'm talking about the real CNN. <laughs> like he was interviewing. We were sitting there watching. Not it. the bootleg. I had to record it. That brother was suited and booted, though, bro. Man, you was looking. Look, bro, look. He was looking like a million bucks. You know the man. wifey dressed me. You know the wifey picked it out. So. Of course, of course. <laughs> but man, we so glad you're okay, man. I know that was a harrowing experience. Yeah, man. I mean, by God's grace, we were we were able to take a trip to Hawaii, like ultimate vacation spot, and we were just kicking it before. The semester starts and we were actually there was the last day of our uh, trip there when the uh, ballistic missile false alarm occurred. And so my wife got it on her phone. She had been out, actually, and she came back way before she should have. And she was like, did you hear about the ballistic missile? I'm like, wait a minute, what? I had just rolled out of bed. I was brushing my teeth. And she told me the whole thing. And so literally, man, we thought <laughs> we thought it was like an extinction level event right there. And we thought we were going to die. Like, we, I mean, what are you going to do if a nuclear missile is wow. on its way? So um, it turned out to be a false alarm. Obviously, people are looking into what happened. They said, basically, somebody pressed the wrong button. I'm going to need a little bit more than that. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, everybody was. What's homeboy's name? What's the badger? No, <laughs> you know, uh, he, he's like, been reassigned. Oh, like, he yo, been reassigned. we thought, Um, yeah, we thought it was over, man. And so that's just that's just a harrowing situation. It's a it's a huge mistake to make. Man. Only time you'd be excited to leave Hawaii uh, on vacation, I can guarantee you that. But um, yeah, I did get the opportunity to write an op ed and CNN just about, you know, what it was like and about like the, the frantic nature of it. You know, what do I leave? What do I bring? Brought the wedding ring. That was a pretty good call. Um, and then, yep. and then they called me up to be actually on CNN television, uh, video. So that was my first experience. crazy. It was man. crazy. Um, and I'm just glad I got to share, glad I'm still alive and it really brings your salvation into context. So even yes, when you're facing what you think might be your last moments on earth, there was this like strange, um, supernatural peace that comes over you. Cause you know, that, uh, it's good to be in the body, but, but if I'm not, I'm with the Lord. So that was real. Preach that, that. was real. Man, you did so much great stuff over this weekend. I, I got to bring people up to speed, not just that CNN article and, and that appearance, but I just I have to say you did an awesome job with Micah Edmondson as well on Pastor wow. Mike talking about MLK and, and Dr. Micah killed it as always. 
But then beyond that, I mean, man, you wrote this fire post in the, in, in the Washington Post that people need to go and read. I mean, so much stuff that you were doing, man. And all I got to bring to the table is I was on this podcast recently. So I got to tell you all about yes. this. Jamar told his story. I, I got to tell mine. I was on this podcast. It's called Front Porch with the Fitzies. Um, and it's by Elise Fitzpatrick and her family, Jessica, Joel, and Pop. And they are great people. And it's a hilarious podcast. And we laugh a lot. And they interrupt us. And we interrupt them. And it was it was just a ton of fun. And so we talked about um, race and the gospel and ethnicity and the black church and all those um, different things. And so check that out. I believe it's episode 115 on Front Porch with the Fitzies. And they've actually shown Pastor Mike tons of love. Appreciate that. Uh, same with Thank their, you. Yes. Same with their podcast of 2017. Um, which is very humbling. And so thank you guys for your support. Go out and support them by downloading that episode. And so today we have a phenomenal guest, one that is probably going to catch you off guard. You have definitely seen him on social yes. media. You have definitely seen him on Instagram. You have definitely seen him on Facebook because he's a viral comedian, right, Jamar? I mean, if you haven't seen him, you've been under a rock. And, and if you haven't seen, you got to see him. Tyler, this was such a great snag. If y'all don't know, Tyler's in charge of, you know, basically booking all of our interviews and whatnot. Uh, Tyler, if you didn't know by now, now you know he's a genius. And this was a great guest and a great interview. I'm so thrilled to be able to offer this to our Pass the Mic listeners. Yes, his name is Kev on stage. And thank you for that, by the way, Jamar. I appreciate that, man. That's very kind for you to say, man. I'm a genius. I'm going to need for you to uh, send that to me. No, I'm kidding. But, But his name is Kev on stage. And he's done hilarious videos. You can check him out at kevonstage.com. He's also going on tour. And listen to the end of the episode because Jamar makes an awesome announcement about his tour and how we're going to partner with them to bring some past the mic listeners and some Kev on Stage fans together. So you got to listen to the end of the podcast. I'm not even going to give that away. But listen to the end of the podcast and you'll hear that. But sit back, relax as we pass the mic to Mr. Kev on Stage. Kev on stage. Thank you for joining us here on Pastor Mike, sir. How you doing? Hey, thank you for having me. I'm doing good. God is yet in the blessing business, and we thank him for his grace oh, come and on. mercy. Mm, mm. Okay, we already getting started. See, you I got to say this. I got to say this because I got to distinguish myself from Jamar in one aspect. I'm a real Kev on stage fan. Okay, I'm oh, a real. Yeah. Okay, I'm okay. a real. Let me tell you, and let me tell you how I know this. See, I, I was playing as a young youth pastor I was playing your video games, uh, not your videos, but video games, but your videos in youth service when you were with the Playmakers. So I was playing your Shouting with Strangers video, and I was playing your your different types of black preacher, and them kids were laughing, man. You saved me. You saved me. You loosened up a whole bunch of, of, of sinning kids, sinning young people, sinning teenagers. Man, I, I owe a lot to you, brother. They're the, they're I owe a the lot. They're the hardest ones to make laugh. Absolutely, man. Listen, yo, they they really are. So, Lamar, I, I, what have you been doing, dude? See, that's exactly. True, Come on, that's a true fan. Look, I caught on with the Facebook wave. My wife sent me some some videos. And I was like, "Who is this brother? He cracking me up." But I wasn't in a ministry context, so I guess Tyler automatically wins. Womp, womp. He, didn't yeah, he, like he didn't have the anointing, Kev. He didn't have the anointing. Now, now, let me ask you this, Jamar. I got to, because Kev, I, I sent Jamar on a mission. I said, you got to find your favorite Kev on Man. stage video. 
And it was a mission impossible because this was a mission impossible. But what's your favorite? (laughs) And I want you to ask Kev about it just to get kind of the context of it and how he came up with it. Go ahead, Jamar. Okay. This one, it's hard to say it's my favorite, but it's the first one that came to mind. It is the video you did about iPhone versus Android. And you were touting the praises of the iPhone. And I was like, yes, because when I see that green bubble, pop up on my phone i'm just yeah. eye roll like are pure we really judgment. friends pure judgment <laughs> do you have an android no i got an iphone and all my real friends no, do. No. okay okay he was saying pure judgment i thought he had an android oh no 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 no, no. I'm, I'm iphone too team team iphone, we iPhone okay, good. Hey, man. i was about to be off this podcast <laughs> <laughs> <Don't touch you. laughs> no way iphone all the way i love being able there we to- go my computer and it is so annoying when I got to go to my phone, see the green bubbles and you were talking about how it shows up out of order and you got to, you know, be, be Sherlock Holmes to try to put it together. I was like, that's so <laughs> real. So real. Yeah. And, and yeah, I got to say this, absolutely. man, my favorite one, because as Jamar mentioned, I'm in a ministry context, my favorite video, because it was pure disbelief and I had to laugh to keep from crying was that Jay-Z praise dance video. Now look, man. <laughs> oh man. They was they was playing Story of OJ, which is a, the <laughs> unedited up. version. The unedited version <laughs> up oh, in my. church and Woo! doing a praise dance and the, the audience was stone faced. Like nobody was doing anything. They made it rain in church. They did all this. It was it was <laughs> I've never seen and you're right, because how many times have we tried to play Christian rap, like just uh, Lecrae, uh, Kirk Franklin, they was like, nah, they, they don't say Jesus enough, and then ain't gospel centered, and then ain't this. I'm like, but come Y'all on, that beat though. Enough. The Jay Z had just came out, it was Bruh. still hot in the streets, it was in the church. <laughs> wow, unedited, real rap, raw, straight from title. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no edited version, no Walmart, just they just played the streaming oh, version. Now, Kev, we we have to ask you this, man. Like, so what was the journey like for you discovering your humor? Like, what was that first moment? Because most comedians have that moment where they recognize, oh, I'm funny and people laugh at what I'm saying. What was that first moment for you? You know, interestingly enough, I've never been asked this question. I usually have a lot of candid answers because I get asked the same questions a lot. I don't know that I can point to a moment per se. I mean, I think. I don't even know. I can't even say I thought I was going to be a comedian or nothing. I just remember the church was having a talent show. And I was like, you know what? I bet I could do stand-up and do some funny stuff. I guess I'd have to say the first time I got on stage and did stand-up and people were like, it went really well. People were really laughing hard. And I was like, man, this is crazy. This is going much better than anticipated. So I guess I'd have to say when I first did that talent show. Wow. Now, now were you kind of branded at that point as like the funny guy? That everyone kind of because not. because I I no. feel like sometimes there's like this stigma that comedians have you know every time that you see them they have to make you laugh and there's like this pressure that we place on them you know make us right. laugh you know it's kind of like the just putting guys. in coins yeah play. no not at that time at that time it was just like oh man that was really funny but you know there wasn't really many comedians in the church you know outside of Jonathan Smoke that's you know, kind of the only person I could even think of that did a big and I just really didn't want and then I didn't do it for a couple of years after that so you know I wouldn't even say I was considered the funny guy I mean I was funny but you know there was a lot of people that were funny you know in high school I wasn't like a class clown that 
I was always going out of the way to be funny. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we'd always just be having a good time. You know, but actually, me and Aunt, actually, I can remember, me and Aunt, when we, I started going to my wife's church um, in our youth group, me and Aunt, who's another of the playmakers, we would always be the ones making everybody laugh. You know, Aunt would come up with some crazy, you know, slogan or slang, and we would be like, making jokes and you know people we would be, be expected to you know not expected to but it was like if, if me and aunt were around and together you could expect a good time it was that type of thing wow that's dope now would you say that like you know i think it's really interesting to kind of hear the ways in which the church like interacts with humor like do you think that the church takes do we take ourselves too seriously do christians we do we take ourselves like, are we too, are we too stiff? Are we too tough? Have you even okay. gotten pushback on some of the, the humor that you've given as well? Oh man. I, wow. I think what I'll say is this, we're getting better, but we absolutely take stuff too seriously. The thing I don't like is, and this has happened to me a lot in my career on stage and plays and in social media, God doesn't like that. And you playing with the Lord and it's not funny. <laughs> and everything ain't supposed to be made into a joke. You know, I get that a lot more. Like, God doesn't think that's funny. How do you know? Did he tell you he didn't think that's funny? He might think it's hilarious because <laughs> I think it's hilarious. And he, he he gave me the thought, you know. So, you know, that's kind of the thing. I think we're more open to it now, but there's still some churches, like anything else. Some people are late to, to the change party who are like, no, we shouldn't be doing that in certain things you don't make fun of. And that's just, you know, but I think the thing that people don't understand is I've been doing this long before YouTube. We would go outside of church and make fun of what just happened in church. Who shouted funny? Who fell out? Wow. Who did this and that? We do it at church and dinner. Like, everybody does that at church. That's not yes. even just me. Like, we all do that. Like, did you see Sister So-and-so? She done <laughs> fell over this and that. Like, it's not unusual. My, you know, Aunt Dad was the pastor of, of this church, of the church we were going to. And he would be like, do a what's your name shout. And he would do it and we would all crack up. Now he couldn't, you know what I mean? Like we couldn't, uh, he wouldn't do that in front of other people. You know what I'm saying? Because he's just, <laughs> you know, hanging out with his people. But people don't understand we did this long before, you know, YouTube was a thing. Me and Aunt used to make videos on a, a video camera. And we would take the tape out and play it for our friends and family. And just like watching Melissa's parents' basement. You know what I mean? Like, so we've always kind of been doing this type of thing so you know i think the church is growing and and getting better at it and and hopefully i have something to do with that because you know comedians can get away with a lot of stuff that you know the pastor or other people can't get away with and i think that's kind of my job in it in the body of christ (laughs) well that's i mean that's a great point like that you were doing this, you know, way before social media kind of took off and YouTube and whatnot. And Tyler and I can relate because, you know, we're just two guys with microphones. Like this is like garage band style, whatever. Right. Um, right. So, I mean, but now, I mean, you're huge. So, but you were on the grind. When was that like that big break for you? Social media break where it's like just something went viral and, and that set you on this trajectory. You know, again, I, I'm not even like, <laughs> I can't even point to a specific thing because it's like what will happen is a video will go viral and I'll spread throughout a community. So, for example, you know, I had a Facebook page for a long time, but I just posted videos that I thought were funny. But I posted all my real videos on, you know, YouTube because you couldn't post videos on Facebook at all. And then what you kid, you did, I was, you know, getting paid by YouTube. So I was like, I'm not going to have people watch it on Facebook and, you know, I get paid on YouTube. 
But then, you know, all the views and growth was happening on Facebook. So I was seeing people in my day job, you know, with a lot of followers, they were able to command more money and stuff if you had a big fan page. So I was like, let me just put my videos that I'm already making on Facebook. So there's a video like I, you know, what was happening is people, videos that I had made, people were posting them on their Facebook pages and those were going viral. And I'm like, okay, if it's going to go viral, it's going to go viral on my page. I ain't going to just, uh, mm. you, you know, have my video. Mm-hmm. So like I made this video called I'm More Determined um, Piano Tutorial. But this dude was just like playing the piano super crazy. And I just thought it was hilarious. So I made a fake tutorial and that went viral in the musician community. So I got a whole bunch of musicians following me. Then I made a video called Christian Road Rage. And, you know, that went viral in, you know, like kind of the CCM community. People were mad about it. She thought I wasn't playing. And a lot of people thought it was hilarious. And then I made the, you know, the Waffle House video. And that was like people, everyday Americans kind of, you know, all, all types of people found out about me. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like that. Like you go viral, you get a lot of fans, but then you got to follow it up. You know, I did a video about Nehu and people who, you know, <laughs> were my age and listened to R&B. You know what I mean? So all these videos, you get a big spike. Yeah, you get a big spike in followers, and then, you know, another video gets a big spike in followers, and you get a whole group of people, you know, so that's kind of what's happened, but I can't say, like, I can't say, like, you know, like, the Mark of that, but man's not hot. That video blew up, you know, super viral. That put him on the map. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, for me, it's more of a collective. Because I don't make one type of video or the same type of video, like, even the macaroni and cheese video I did around Thanksgiving, that blew up, and you know, I got a lot of people about that. So it's just, you know, they all work together for the goodness. Amen. That makes Amen. sense. That makes Amen. sense. I think if you listen to enough of your videos, there's actually like social commentary in there. Like you're actually making some deeper points in it. Has has, has that always been your, your method of operation or um, was that something that evolved differently and what changed? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I just, you know, I'm a, co- I'm a comedian, right? But I'm also a human. I'm a black man. So, like, when there was all these black men getting killed by police, it's kind of hard to be funny. Like, I don't feel like being funny when this I'm frustrated or angry or whatever. So, for me, it's like I, I promised myself I would never get big and, you know, not use my platform for good. I never want to be one of those guys who was like, you know, you know, they always accused Michael Jordan of being, like, so big that he was anti-anything. He wouldn't make a stand about anything. And I was like, I can't get to the point where I can't use my platform to speak out about how I feel or what I think is wrong or anything like that. So it's kind of like I generally just make a video about whatever is on my mind. So when something's on my mind that's not comedic, then that's the video I make. If I need to make a point or I need to get something off my chest or I think, you know, I'm surprised Bobby Caldwell's wife or whatever the case is. <laughs> I just, I was, you know, I was surprised too. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, you know, people kind of ask me like, how do you get video ideas? Like, I think the one thing that I do like that's different is I go from thought to shoot video, edit video, post video very quickly. Like that Bobby Caldwell video, for example, went crazy viral, like six million views. And I literally was woke up. Like most people check my Instagram and my brother had posted that. I was like, what the heck? Like, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. So, you know, without thinking, I just, you know, took a shower, shot the video and posted it and made it. And the thing is, you just never know what's going to go viral. I made a video today because we were, you know, at work and this one didn't go viral. And I don't expect them all to. But I was just talking about, you know, good fat, how avocados are good fat or whatever. Like, that's not good fat. Pork chops are good fat. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I just kind of make a video and post it and, and you know, and see what happens and I don't really 
harbor too long on ones that did well or poorly. I just kind of make them post and move on. And somebody's always going to like it and somebody's always going to hate it. I see that a lot in actually writing as well. Now, I'm not a funny guy, so I don't I don't write humorous posts, but it's sort of those kind of things that come by inspiration and you you just react and you just put it out there, not really knowing the impact. And, and usually those are the ones that actually get the most attention. So there's a timeliness to it. There's an inspirational aspect to it. Um, so I'm glad. I'm glad that you have the technology, the wherewithal to just put it out there because it is... Um, I think it scratches an itch. Like people are curious about the same things or, um, you know, critical about the same things and you put it out there in a humorous way, but you do it in a timely manner that only helps. So that's, that's a really good, I think, creative and artistic eye. Right, right. Absolutely. I totally agree. And as a creator, sometimes I post a video, I'm like, boy, you ain't funny at all. Just shut up. <laughs> right, that ain't right. funny. You ain't got nothing funny to say, but you know, I, I just post it, man. You just like a friend of mine said, you know, Somebody's going to like everything and somebody's going to hate everything because somebody likes black licorice. And if somebody likes black licorice, then somebody <laughs> will think your video is funny. And if somebody, you know, you know that's what I mean? True. I was just like, that's a fantastic. Because there's people that I don't find funny at all. And they've got anywhere from a thousand fans to, a, you know, 15, 16 million. So I might not be for every video and everybody video I make not, might not be for everybody. But I'm just, I just want to be able to say, it's kind of like a cartoonist, you know, like, you know, the Sunday paper and then the daily cartoons like you like your favorite cartoon everyone's not the most hilarious thing you've ever seen mm -hmm. so if you're a fan of that artist or writer you're like i just want to see what he wrote today or you know so that's kind of what how i look at it i just want to give you something new and fresh to look at and i think that helps me creatively because i don't have to be like racking my brain over well this isn't gonna go viral this, this you know they don't like it like mm -hmm. i don't care man i post it and go to work and forget about most of my videos you know what i mean right, right. come back and check them later I'm like oh that did well or that didn't do well but who cares it's free you can't complain that much it's free <laughs> that's right that's right now kev <laughs> it's it's interesting because now you're kind of moving into the space where churches are booking you and you you talked before about tours that you've done like, what do you see as a, as your ministry? Because, you know, it's interesting to kind of hear what comedians talk about, because the, the common trope, you know, especially within the black church circles is, you know, laughter is a medicine. And, and I think that's yeah. great and it can be very cathartic. But but I think I see your your art is even something deeper than that. Like, how what do you see as your ministry and what do you see as your space within the church? Well, I think it's a it's a lot of things. I think, you know absolutely lack of the medicine and you know so and i get that you know part of my thing me and my brother and aunt were making plays we just wanted people to come together and laugh or take their mind off of life's problems for however long they were there hour and a half two hours 45 minutes whatever so that's part of it and another thing with me like i didn't come from nothing like poor family no rich uncle you know real dad left you know stepdad stepped in but you know he's in the army raising three kids like nothing no no you know what i mean no rich nothing and and i'm building this career and name for myself and what i want to impress upon people is like there's nothing that i'm doing that is not available for you in whatever your field is like mm. if you are willing to work as hard as i'm willing to work you can be the best version of yourself i think people you know we often make excuses for why other people are successful when generally the common denominator most of the time is work, whether they have money or not, you still have to, you know, work hard and understand their craft and whatever. So I hope to let people know, like, you can take your own, you know, career in your hand and, and be whatever you want to be because it, it helps to see somebody who came from nothing that like 
literally you can almost have watched my career in the last, you know, 10 years. And be like, that dude, I remember when he did this, this, that, and that. And now he's owning his own tour and, and producing his own comedy specials and, and documentaries, some with the help of people, some, you know, out of my own pocket. And that could be you owning your own bake shop or cookies or going back to school or whatever. And it's like, it's not, it's not impossible. And also, you know, I've learned from like, you know, even NBA athletes, like because my platform is so big, I have a different, you know, way to reach people and talk mm-hmm. about God. It may not be from a pulpit, but if I, for instance, get on Jimmy Fallon one day and I say, you know, God is good. God has got me this opportunity. That's different than what, you know, T.D. Jakes may do or Creflo Dollar or right. Ray Roberts or whoever. Like my, my platform, it might be to reach people who are not coming to church. They ain't looking to come to church. They ain't thinking about church, but they are on Instagram and they, they, they do think I'm funny and that's my responsibility. And once they get to the church, then, you know, the pastors can take it over from there. But, you know, I feel like those are kind of things that I feel like God can use me uh, yeah. in, in, those, in that manner. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I also love about your platform, or your brand, is that you work with your family a lot. Like, your son is yeah. absolutely hilarious. Like, he's the star. <laughs> I think he's funnier than you in some ways. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> but, you know, he, he, came, he, he came from me, so whatever he is is because right. I allowed him to be. Right, right. Absolutely. And then, you know, you do stuff with your wife as well. You kind of turn this into something where you don't disconnect this from your everyday life, but you you connect it. Has that been something that's been on your heart due to kind of where you came from? And because I think it sets a great example for us as far as the incorporation of the people we love and what we do. You know, I I think what's funny about it is, you know, my kids at at the beginning of their career were way more famous than me. You know, my son saw me and I was, you know, low key blowing up with the playmakers and stuff. And he was like, Oh, I want to make videos too, daddy. And he immediately went viral, got a deal, got a movie all all within like three months. Now I was like, wow, fam, you just going, I've been doing this for years. This is how you feel. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like, I was happy, you know, I'm happy to be along for the ride. Um, So I I wouldn't say, I don't want to say like I did this, to you know like it's not a manufactured thing you know my son wanted to make a video so i did and then it went well we made some they made videos they were on tv and then they were kind of like all right we had fun i just want to be a regular kid now you know i didn't want to force them to do something they didn't want to do but i also want to allow them to be mediocre so if you're gonna be in videos or be an actor then you're gonna be the best actor if you don't want to do it that's fine but you're gonna play sports or play the piano, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? You're going to do right. something. So my youngest son, he's hilarious, but he's an, he's an athlete. He loves soccer. So I'm like, you're going to be the best soccer player ever, and you're going to practice and be great. My other, my oldest is more creative, so I'm like, you're going to be writing stories and doing something. I'm just not going to allow y'all to just kick it. And as far mm-hmm. as my wife, like, once my wife reaches my level of confidence, she's going to blow me away as far as popularity. She's going to be more valuable to women than, you know, I am. She's just kind of growing into herself right now. But if she could be as confident as I am, she's going to, I'm, I'm fully prepared for her to, to, to take full advantage. Uh, I mean, not take full advantage, but to, uh, blow me out of the water. And I'm okay with that. I'll be her adjutant. I, it don't have to be me. As long as somebody in my family balling. No, that's so true. That's what the ladies do all the time. Um, yeah. That's yeah. Well, I mean, 
Tyler's gonna be mad at me because I always turn it to like a, a serious angle or something. Here but he go. I'm just here curious. he go, Kev. Here he go. <laughs> I'm just curious because comedians are are typically some of the best observers in society, and so you are a keen observer of the church in general and the black church in particular. And I'm just curious, like, what have you seen in the 21st century? Um, in terms of trends in the black church, things you love about it, things that you think, um, you know, changes the black church could make in terms of reaching people or speaking to current issues, just like, you know, give a state of the union type of thing. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if I can, you know, speak to a state of the union, so to speak, but I think one thing we have to do, we kind of have to be, the one thing that the church has kind of been, for me, we've always kind of been, resistant to change of any kind you know like and i, I like it it's all the way back when kirk franklin came out and doing stomp i remember when i was a kid like they treated stomp like it was like nwa like <laughs> right. living day. I remember how that. could you rap about jesus ah, i'm so upset and i'm like, <laughs> like, oh, were flying like yeah like and i like all kind of music but it's like I don't want to always listen to the mighty cause of joy. Like I want to, you know, have a good time and skate or whatever. And I think we just got to be okay being different genres. And like, same thing with our churches. There's a different church for everybody. It doesn't, they all don't have to be the church you grew up with. Your one pastor might, you know, uh, be different. Or a woman pastor might be wearing pants. Like some of these things were like legit arguments, women speaking, how dare you? The Bible says no. You know, and she's wearing mm-hmm. pants and earrings, like stuff that you, like, in retrospect, like, why are we really even arguing about this? This is silly. You know what I mean? So I think we should just be open to, like, there's different type of rock music. There's different type of churches, ministries. Like, some pastors have tattoos. One of my, you know, my brother-in-law um, is a pastor with whole sleeve of tattoos, you know what I mean, but preaches the same way anybody else does. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I just feel like we'd be fighting and upset over the wrong things. As long as we're all on the same team trying to win souls, you know, there's a different version for everybody. Right, right. You know, I believe one of the best things that you actually said on one of your videos is that little clip where you were talking about your story and it, it the video title was You Deserve Nothing. And it's just the whole oh, point yeah. is, is hard work and ingenuity and pushing yourself and grinding I just, you got to give us just a cliff notes. You got to give our listeners just a cliff notes version of that. Cause I want them to go check out that video. You deserve nothing by Kev on stage, but, but just give us a cliff notes version, man. What were you saying? Because I think it's so valuable for people to understand in 2018. Well, I mean, I think, you know, so what, you know, what happened is that I'm going on this tour and there was, you know, there's some comedians that I have found out to the grapevine. They were like mad that I wasn't taking them on tour. Like, legit upset like i know kev why he ain't taking me on the road and i was like what why would i like you know what i mean like i you know the people that i picked are are you know fantastic comedians and i felt like we often think somebody's out here looking out for us putting us on and nobody is mm-hmm. you get what you work for and you earn everything that you're willing to work for not that somebody's going to hand it to you not that somebody's looking to give you a leg up. Not that somebody says, well, it's this person's turn. Like, turn. I remember a couple of years ago, the Clippers were like, they were mad at Golden State 
apparently because they beat them and skipped over them, and it was their turn to win the championship. Like, what do you mean turn? You right. play hard, practice hard, you win. Like, and I just want and, – and, and it came from a place from speaking to myself because earlier in my career, you know, I knew people were like, man, they were, you know, doing better than me career-wise. And I hit them up like, yo, can you put me on, put me in something? And they'd be like, no, I'm still trying to be on by myself. So mm-hmm. I just wanted people to know, like, you can't expect anybody to help you out because they're not going to. Mm-hmm. And the quicker you know that nobody's looking out for you, nobody's waiting to hand you anything, you don't deserve nothing you didn't work for, the better you have a chance at succeeding. And if you're mm-hmm. expecting somebody to give you something that you think you deserve, somebody who's working hard is going to get it first. Mm-hmm. That's it, man. Woof. That's a word right there, man. Jamar, that's a word, man. That sounds like our last episode, man. Shoot. For real, that's a word, bro. Okay, okay. And you deserve, now, now, don't get me wrong, you deserve everything you work for. But mm-hmm. that's, I mean, a lot of times, man, we don't want to work. We think, Oof. oh, I'm cool, or I know this person, or we went to high school together, or college together, or whatever. No, you deserve everything that you work for and nothing else. And uh, not one thing else. Man, that's whew. And that's the thing about this tour. Like, people are like, why is Kev on tour? Because <laughs> I made a video every day for eight years before you even knew about me. Mm. I was making videos when they were getting 100 views. I was doing stand-up for free for two years, for $30 for a year and a half, mm-hmm. $150 for two years. Like, I'm just now capitalizing off of years of work. We just met. And you think because, you know, we met and had a few conversations, you deserve to be on this tour. The people who are on tour with me have been doing stand-up longer than I have, and they're the best people that I could get at this budget for this time. So they deserve it. You don't deserve nothing that you didn't work for. And it'd be people who don't even be doing the amount of work requisite to the request that they're asking. Mm, wow. <laughs> like, you don't even be doing enough stand-up. Like, how dare you almost? How dare you? And people, and my friend said this, and I, I didn't say this in the video, but this is so true. A friend of mine said, it's easier to blame somebody else. Like, you just say, oh, this person got it because, you know, they knew so-and-so or their uncle was this or whatever, or, you know, women are being empowered now. Because if you look in the mirror and just have to say that I didn't work hard enough, that's too hard of a realization for people to be honest with themselves about. People don't want to be honest and say, I didn't work hard enough. So what they do is say, well, this person just does this and that's why they got it. And this person, and if I could just do this, Brian didn't get hurt. Now, the truth is, if you worked harder, you could do the same thing. And since you don't, you won't. And people will sit there their whole life looking at somebody else and making excuses for why they got it instead of putting their sleeves up and getting dirty and going to work. And now y'all got me upset. Man, Man. you out here preaching, bro. What you mean? I mean, Kev brought the hook with him. Okay. (laughs) Bishop Bishop Kev on stage. That's the next one. <laughs> but that's oh. I feel like you were you were in some of uh the conversations Tyler and I've been having. It's just like you put your head down and you grind and you get what you deserve eventually. Um and then a lot of people look at you and they don't see all that hidden work. They don't see all the hours, no. the creativity, they don't see the you know, the the notes you take, the observations you make, and then they see you shine, they're like, Hey, hey, don't forget about me. Like, come on. Yeah, and it's like, look, man, like, that's a good point. And I don't really even, like, you know, chew my own horn about that. But, like, eight years, man, 
eight years I've been mm-hmm. doing this. Stand up yeah. and videos, eight years. Every day on YouTube, on Instagram, on Vine, like I tried everything. I'm just now reaping the, the benefits of all these years of work. And most people just found out about me in the last year. You know what I mean? There's, right. I had a couple hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube for you know, a couple of years, but I went from 100,000 on Facebook to, you know, I'm at 1.2 million now in a matter of a year. So people are like, man, this guy just blew up. No, no, no. <laughs> the reason I was able to blow up on Facebook is because I had honed these skills over years. Facebook just blew up and the, the timing was right, but I had been doing this. So, you know, most people who are successful say people are like, oh, you're an overnight success. Like, well, it takes 10, 15 years for you to become an overnight success. I'm just new to you. And I don't mean this in a bragging way. Like, That's right. That's I don't right. want people to forget that. Like, even before YouTube, I was doing plays and losing money and doing stand-up. Like, I'm not, I've been doing, doing all this for a long time. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, striking while the iron's hot. I'm not, sorry, I didn't, like, look into this. Right. You know what I mean? So when they see me on stage, they're like, oh, you're really good. Like, yeah, I've been doing this for <laughs> consistently for four or for five it. years now. Yes. Yeah, these jokes have been crafted and work and stuff like that so like the most important thing that i want people to know is work hard and work your craft everything else comes easily when you've done that mm. man that's a word brother Woo. that's right that's a proverb right there man that's so <laughs> that's timely man that's time yeah. yeah yeah so um i mean what's next for you and like how can how can the people support your hilarious comedy I mean, the next, the biggest thing I'm doing, I'm sorry for getting loud. Um, I'm going on tour and I'm financing it myself, and that's the biggest leap of faith ever. But I, you know, wow, kind of been preparing for this moment my whole life and didn't even know I was preparing for it. I'm just had an opportunity. My job was like, look, man, you don't have to work here on Fridays because I was getting booked a lot on Fridays. And, you know, we had a new CEO. He's like, look, I love what you're doing. Just let me know where you are work from home on Fridays. And I was like, bet I'm going on tour then before he changes his mind. You know, <laughs> right, right. so, so I did that, you know, I'm going on 40 cities starting next week. So, I mean, if, if I'm in your city, buy a ticket, buy a shirt or when the DVD comes out, buy a DVD. I mean, not a physical DVD because nobody's actually doing that anymore, but it'll be available on <laughs> iTunes right. and YouTube and, and Vimeo. So do that. Or just if you don't have the money or, or whatever, just tell somebody about my video or share a video. And I appreciate that just as much. Man, Kev, thank you so much for taking time, man. We know you're in, you're in transit, man. Thank you just so much for, for blessing the people with your wisdom, with your insights, and, of course, of course. with the laughs as well, man. We'll be supporting you. My pleasure, you man. Know, thank you, you guys for having me. I'm going to put it on blast, and I'm going to put real here. Uh Tyler and I didn't even discuss this. It just came to mind while you were talking. We're going to put um, 20 tickets for your show on raffle. The witness past the mic will pay for it. And uh, whoever wins coming to a city near you, you can have a free ticket oh, to wow. the stage. Boom. We're doing it. Well, the boss said it. The boss said it, so God. we're doing it. Look at God. Thanks. Oh, we bless you and we thank you. <laughs> come on. Come on. Give him oh, a praise. Look, I appreciate that. I brother, really do. Thank you guys for that. Listen to me. I'm talking from the heart. Your humor has been a lifeline for me. People talk about self-care all the time. And one of the first things I say is laugh. Like we have got to remember yeah. 
there are points of joy in this life and your videos are a frequent one reminder of that so um this is the least we can do and i wish we could do so much more so we just encourage you brother for what you're doing it's it's not just like you know building a platform or anything i i can hear your heart in this you're really trying to bring joy and light and laughter to people's lives so we just want to encourage you and support you in whatever way we can we appreciate you brother hey thank you guys y'all y'all take it easy thank you for everything thank you kev This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.